All right, episode two. It's wonderful. This is a comfy place to be. Sitting here, me, Willie Do, Jack in the background, Kirk's pet and Otis. There's so much happening. It's always happening. I want to break it down. I need to know what's going on, and uh, Willie Do's going to help me. He's going to bring it up, and I'm going to try my best to interpret the happenings of the internet. I mean, it's hard to do so. The internet is a crazy place. I'm sure you know this. And Willie Do, he went out of his way to figure out what's going on in the world. Some, some of it could be tech. It could be something else. And who knows? We might even have, maybe we have an email. Maybe we have a viewer email because we have an email address. And we gave it out on the last episode. And so we might have an email here. Some audience interaction. This looks weird. Can this basketball playing robot beat the professionals? Oh my goodness gracious, that is scary. That is so weird. Why did you not show me this earlier, Will? It was Holy. So, obviously, what I'm looking at here is a robot taking three-point shots. Now, he does have a giant contraption hooked up to him, so he's not going to be beating the pros anytime soon, but his form... It's incredible. Look at the fall. Oh, he misses, though. Will, what are you doing to me here? I mean, he missed. Look how embarrassed the engineers are. They're like, the real human, well, the real human can miss as well. Maybe not if it's Steph Curry or something. This guy's very upset with himself. He's dead now. Mm-hmm. They're not going to put up with that. The robot's back. Let's see. He doesn't use the guide hand. It's just kind of there. He doesn't actually touch the ball. Oh, ho, ho. splash. You know what? I'm taking the robot in this particular competition i think because this player he's flustered now he's looking at the engineers he sees the team leader he sees the white jackets and he knows what he's in for it's impressive like let's be honest it's impressive that would be a very hard thing to develop that said it's so robotic there this is a robot delivering the ball to the other robot this is incredible and they've sped it up because he does not release that quickly but still, we all know the, the, the robot overlords are on their way, and it's only a matter of time. And not only will they play basketball on their spare time when they're not busy dominating us, uh, they're going to do a lot of different things. At first, we're going to be telling them what to do until they're telling us what to do. We all know this. Eventually... In the meantime, this guy will shoot baskets and he'll make you look bad. Because let's be honest, you try to take a three-point shot, you look terrible. Now, Steph Curry, I know you watch this show as well, so obviously that doesn't apply to you. But for Will, Kirk, Jack, this robot's going to knock you right off the court, in fact. You see when the robot misses, though, how upset the engineers are? Mm-hmm. The roboticists? They, they look at him and they're so disappointed. Like, how dare you? Every little joint, every little mechanical movement, and you did this to me on the big stage when the cameras are rolling. Anyhow, it's got 2 million views. You check it out if you want to. It's impressive as far as I'm concerned. Willie Do, you're off to a hot start here. The internet is, is providing incredible heat so far today. Next up, Disney Plus streaming service. Release date, price shows, and movies to expect. Now, this is interesting. You may or may not have been following this story. Disney Plus is like supposedly this Netflix competitor 
Disney, whether you know it or not, in the content realm, they're like the overlords. We talked in the past one, the the eventual robot overlords. In the content game, Disney, they own a tremendous amount of content. Some people don't even know. Like, uh, for example, Fox. They own Fox. They own movies, documentaries, and so forth. And animation studios. Marvel. ESPN. LucasArts. Marvel. LucasArts. It, it, it's crazy. When you really look into it, you're like, oh my goodness. All right. So Disney basically owns everything. Uh, anyhow, that's why Netflix is scared. I mean, I'm not, I can't speak for them. I'm not Netflix. But if I'm Netflix, this is a bit scary to see a player like that get involved in the online content streaming business. Not just because they're going to be putting out this competing platform. But also because it means you no longer even have a shot at licensing their content on your platform. They're just going to rip it down. They're just going to be done with it. So anything falling under that Disney umbrella, if it hasn't already left Netflix, if it was ever there, it's definitely going to be gone now. So anyhow, Disney's going to launch this thing on November 12th. And they say the timing is strategically smart. Because Disney Plus can piggyback on the marketing for all of Disney's big budget films being released for the holiday season. Frozen 2 hits theaters November 22nd. Not my cup of tea there, Disney. You're not going to get me on a Frozen, all right? Star Wars. I mean, I saw the last Star Wars. Not my cup of tea either. Nonetheless, that's coming out. You know they're going to market. You know they're going to utilize those big titles to get people into the streaming service. Anyhow, they're going to undercut price. You care about price. I know that's a big question here. They're going to undercut Netflix with their service and their content. They're going to go in at about 7 bucks a month or $70 a year. And as many of you know, Netflix subscribers out there, you're currently paying somewhere in the neighborhood of 13 bucks. I feel like I pay more. I have one of those extended plans. But nonetheless, you're paying 13 It's almost half the price for Disney's, uh, Disney's setup here. And what are they saying? And Netflix has put out five of their superheroes. So Netflix, you know, they leaned into the superhero stuff in the form of Daredevil, Luke Cage, and Iron Fist. And then uh, and then recently canceled those. Who knows how Disney's going to play this? Are they going to go the big budget superhero route? I mean, for sure, they're going to have the inventory of pre-existing content. There's no reason for them not to. And that's a big inventory. That's going to get a lot of people on its own. Of course, people with children... With young people in the house, they're going to probably sign up for this. Think Bambi, Lion King, Snow White, and so on. Not to mention that there's ESPN. ESPN's a crazy play. ESPN's a crazy play. A lot of people don't know Disney owns ESPN. So what do we have? We have 30 for 30. We have the ESPN films. You know, you're going to see this stuff getting up there. So now you have the sports fan potentially interested in this $7 a month subscription. So very interesting times. The content marketplace, the pace is picking up. The, the battleground is set. Disney wants a piece. Netflix wants a piece. YouTube wants a piece. Apple wants a piece. Amazon wants a piece. It's, it's wild, man. It's like, it's, like, it's like everyone has finally agreed that the cable subscription is over. Like it's, That's not where you're going to watch stuff anymore. Young people, we were looking at that survey the other day. Young people are not watching cable. We were looking at some survey, they said like 14% of millennials turned on cable TV last year. I mean, it was some crazy statistic. Don't, I mean, don't take that word for word right there. 
like take it easy. I don't know. I'm trying to reference a study from God knows when I read it. But nonetheless, you if you're watching this, you probably don't watch all that much cable TV. So the streaming wars, they're kind of like the cable wars from once upon a time and the various networks that are out there. Now the networks have sort of been replaced by the services themselves. And everything will be a la carte. It's like how many services can you have? Now when I made that video about the Apple streaming services, uh, after that event took place, I talked about how it's already a bit of uh, fatigue out there in the streaming universe where you see all these different uh, line items on the monthly invoice that you're looking at. You, I mean, you're looking at your credit card statement and it's like streaming here, streaming this, premium that, Spotify there, and so on. And we're, we're really going to test this concept right now with this new service coming out to see just how many subscriptions an individual can sustain. PlayStation View, I almost forgot about that. Uh, of course, what was the one you just scrolled past there? Amazon, okay, yeah, Amazon Prime Video, Hulu, HBO wants your money independently, Netflix, Sling you can use, Crackle, oh my God, I said HBO now, Twitch you can pay premium for, Vivo you can pay premium for, it's unbelievable, guys. Of course, YouTube you can pay premium for. The, the future is subscription-based. I mean, even the publications, New York Times wants a few dollars from you. Uh, recently, I've been on Google News, and I keep bumping into this thing with Globe and Mail I'm reading. And then all of a sudden, it's like, I don't want to, I, I hit the paywall, and I'm out. You know, it's like, there's some things that are really valuable to you, and you consider it. And then in other places, you may have read the thing if it was ad-supported, and then you end up missing it. So it's a real fine line. Uh, I think people are going to decide, and I think we're going to hit that threshold soon. But Disney is a player to be afraid of. And if I'm Netflix, if I'm Amazon, I'm, I'm, I'm paying close attention to this just because these guys are monsters in the content space. And they own stuff that you're not even aware of that you're going to see on your streaming service. You're going to be like, man, maybe I'm going to spend seven. I mean, I probably will spend seven. I'm telling you right now, Will. All right, what do you got next? All right. This one is more about... Oh, this, this is uh, so cool. I've seen this. Game Engine. This is so cool. Okay, so we're looking at Unreal Engine 4. Photorealistic graphics. Uh, 2019. That's the name of the clip. This has like 5 million views. When I saw this, man, I mean, I didn't even know how to react. Like, these graphics are so crazy and so realistic. You're you're really starting to question not just what games look like in the future, but you start talking about, I mean, you start thinking about simulation theory. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just where your head goes. Whether, I mean, that might be an annoying subject at this point because so many people have talked about it, but you look at what they're capable of now. Mm -hmm. Now, granted, this is a, this is a, you know, a quick little clip that had to be rendered and put together and it's obviously the best case scenario. No, wait. Did you see the edited version when you're in the editor? No. Check this out, dude. This is insane. What do you mean I'm in the editor? Please explain. Oh, baby. Yeah. You can actually just walk around. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so right now we're taking a peek at what it would be like to design a game within this engine. So there's a first-person point of view to prove 
that the photo realistic graphics are a thing that you can interact with. I didn't, I don't doubt it. Like that's the thing. The crazy part is that I'm not surprised. It seems inevitable. Kind of like the robot basketball player. It's like this stuff, it was already amazing. And now it's just some next level. It's both exciting and terrifying at the same time. You see them go in here. Like look at this fog. With like photo basic Photoshop looking tools, and they're like, ah, a little bit of fog, a little bit, a little bit of fog. We'll change the change the color of the uh, of the sky. No big deal. Look at this, unbelievable. It's uh, I can't even imagine. You think of games right now that are compelling when you're playing them. You get lost in them. The idea of this level of graphics and the immersion that's going to take place. I mean, you got. You've got to be afraid. People, why are people going to want to leave here? Let's say they get their version of reality in this engine. Are you coming to work anymore, Will? Um, I doubt it. Probably not, no. I don't even know if I'll ever see you again. You get Unreal Engine 4 and you get to put whatever you want in it. I mean, you're going to give up on... You're going to skip out on this engine. The engine we're in right now. The engine of life. That's right. You're, you'll probably even... You, you'll put like... You can put, like, versions of real-life stuff into your Unreal Engine. There'll be, like, a like a cooler version of me in there. You can fly. Or you could just, like, or you could just, like, set me up and then just, like, shoot me or something. Yeah. You probably prefer that, actually, mm -hmm. to be honest. This is amazing. This is a clip you need to see if you ever wondered about the future. You ever thought, like, you, you wondered about human potential in the realm of... Uh, like artificial world creation. Now, yes, you're still looking at it through a display. And if you were trying to have a VR experience, it's a headset, it's a whole, it's a whole thing. But if you just, you just kind of see it for its potential, if you use it as a lens into the eventual, then you, you really start to get both excited and terrified at the same time. That's Unreal Engine 4, which is unreal, but completely real looking. That's unbelievable. That's all you got, Will. You want something more from me here? We're, we were supposed to take, remember, audience question. Do you have one? <laughs> don't, don't, nothing uh, too extreme here. PG? Yeah, PG right. audience question, if you can. Real quick, I mean, because we, we did kind of promise in the last episode that that's something we would do. And we want to make a habit of it. Of course, we're here for you. Uh, I know you guys got questions, and uh, we're going to address it. So what do you got? Oh, here's a cool one. Traditional gaming, dead or alive? Hey, guys. This is, first of all, this is from Benny. Uh, hey, guys. Here's a question. With many companies investing heavily into cloud gaming, do you see consoles and traditional local PC gaming still around in, let's say, 5, 10 what about 30 years? I think latency plays such an important part in an interactive medium like games that I can't see myself seriously using any of these cloud gaming services. Dot, dot, dot. Maybe I'm a bit too pessimistic about this topic, but who knows? Best greetings from Germany. Thank you so much for the question, Benny. It's an interesting topic. It's a thing I thought a lot about from the moment I saw the, the Google Stadia stuff. Now, I should say some individuals got a bit upset with me after I made the video recapping Stadia, 
because a lot of people were saying, hey, Lou, this stuff has been around. Well, I know it's been around. In fact, I was one of the first, I was, I, I was there in the early days when On Live came out. But people are saying the tech that Stadia is using or something more similar to it, more modern, is out there as well in a form of smaller scale implementation. So when I was skeptical and I said in that video, like, hey, this is a, a long way off or this is a thing that's going to be difficult to achieve, People were telling me, hey, we've already got these various platforms that have executed successfully on this promise of incredibly low latency to the point where these types of titles are playable. So I looked into some of those platforms. I'm not remembering the name right now, but I looked into some of those platforms, and it turns out it's true. There are a few examples, uh, none of which had servers near me. Uh, you know, they're, they're smaller scale right now. But it is possible. If, if, if these currently existing platforms are any kind of indication, as they should be, of the tech being capable of delivering these types of experiences, which I think they are, then I, I'm saying, yeah, this Stadia thing has the potential to be legit. And here's, here's the thing, okay? In your email, in your email there, uh, Benny, you said, you know, you're a serious... Gabriel, you take the gaming seriously and the latency is so important and the experience is so important and, and so on and so forth. And, and I believe you. I know there's a subset, there's a large number of people out there who, who, share, who share that feeling, and rightfully so. That's cool. But if you look at what happened in other segments, like let's say, oh, I don't know, video watching, people all over the place and in those segments have exchanged quality for convenience. I'm not saying I agree with it, but that's just seem, it seems to be what human beings do. So you take, for example, the smartphone. Now for this channel, this, I don't know about this channel, but Unbox Therapy, because I have data on that, more, more recent, the majority of views are coming on mobile. They're coming on the phone. Now, granted, it's not gaming. It's just a video you're watching. But that shifted a lot over the years that I've been doing this. In the early days, that certainly wasn't the case. You have the bandwidth, the screens were smaller, and whatnot. But now, I think a lot of those people watching on mobile, they have other screens available to them, but the convenience thing appears to trump that. It appears to trump the fact that they could reach for a bigger device in a less convenient scenario and watch the content that way. I think gaming can possibly get there, where the convenience of not having to download the game, for one, because when you want to play it, or if you're on a subscription-based service and you just want to boot something up, you want to try something quickly, that's the promise of Stadia. No download. You just jump into it. You could jump into it straight from a YouTube pre-roll ad. That's the promise. Again, this is not out yet. I can't speak to it in terms of somebody who's actually engaged with it, but that's the current promise that they're making. So I think a lot of people underestimate the convenience component. I think, I think a lot of people assume that quality is a quality matters. Don't, don't get me wrong, but I think a lot of people assume quality is the key distinguishing factor in successful content, successful gaming, and, 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 and whatnot. But if you look at analytics, you look at the numbers, it's like it becomes obvious that human beings all over the place are selecting 
for convenience and oftentimes sacrificing certain aspects of quality in exchange for convenience. And I don't expect that to change. So yes, I absolutely think streaming gaming is the future, but much like the robots and the Unreal Engine and so forth, I think it is a matter of time. I think it probably it usually takes longer than people expect. And you end up waiting a couple of years for the, you know, for it to make the real hard hit into the mainstream culture. One advantage I will say for streaming gaming is the fact that Google and others are aimed at the global marketplace. And when you start to look at the demographics of the entire planet, you recognize that not everybody, in fact, most people don't have access to gaming computers, don't have access to gaming consoles. So their first screen, their initial exposure to gaming is coming via a mobile device. And for those people, the opportunity to interact with AAA titles is limited by the device they have access to. So these systems here, while they may take a long, they may take a bit longer to deliver the experience they're promising to individuals who currently have access to that kind of hardware, the console and the gaming PC, for everyone else, they're going to elevate them immediately into a gaming realm that would be otherwise unapproachable. And that's where I think this stuff becomes really compelling because you have emerging markets, which are becoming more mature markets. And in those places, the ability to play these games on a device that doesn't require so much horsepower, that's really interesting. And that's going to lift a huge, huge population into this conversation. And because of that, I think that's going to help push the rest of it. Much like smartphones, in a way, especially recently, have been, have been colored by, by those markets. How those markets have acted as kind of indicators for what's going to help for what's going to happen elsewhere, and no longer is it strictly a North American perspective. No longer is it this silo, this 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 one viewpoint. Tech is this global thing, and with more people coming online, the types of products that are going to satisfy that global thing they have to change. And gaming is no different. It's got to change. It's just a matter of time. Anyway, that's cool. There you go. Very futuristic episode today. And I thank you very much for joining. Remember, you can have your question answered. Just like that last one. All you have to do is email will at lulater.com. I recommend you do so. It doesn't have to be tech related. It's completely up to you. You ask what you want to ask. It could be a question about Otis. You know, Otis gets a lot of love. People are talking about him. They have questions. I've seen this in the inbox before. What breed? Is he well-behaved? What's his favorite snack? Well, I'm not telling you to ask questions. But I'm saying you can ask about whatever you want. It doesn't have to be that. We're open-ended over here. We're having fun. We're hanging out. We're drinking Perrier. It's will at loulater.com. That wasn't a sponsorship, by the way. Though, we're looking. So anyhow, thanks again. I'll see you real soon.